Mind, Body, and Roll is a podcast presented by a psychologist and a physician discussing issues of the brain and body in roller derby. Although Drs. Coxon and Toubet are both trained professionals, their intent in this forum is solely to educate and inform. The information given in this podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with a trained, licensed medical professional. Mind, Body and Roll is a podcast made by derby skaters for derby skaters. Episode 13 of Mind, Body, and Roll, a podcast providing expert insight on the body and brain of a roller derby athlete from your favorite Doctors on Wheels. I'm Spanky. Uh, I used to be a roller derby jammer before the pandemic, uh, but now I just sit on my butt. But I'm also a family physician. And I'm Asterisk. I'm, I, well, I used to be a blocker until the pandemic. In fact, I, think <laughs> I, I was just taking a break in January last year, and then everyone else around the world decided to join me on that break in March. <laughs> you sorry, caused this. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but I'm also a, a psychologist. Uh, we're both uh, members of, well, I'm a member on hold with uh, Suffolk Roller Derby. And today we're going to be talking about the recently released a WFTDA training curriculum because I don't think we've had much to do but talk about how roller derby will do, will look once we're all out of this pandemic because none of us have been able to skate, um, none of us have been, even been able to meet up and hold hands. <laughs> Unless you live in New Zealand where I understand you're all down there skating and having fun and it's summertime and I basically hate you all. So, yeah. But I love you but I hate you too. Yeah, our friend in the, friends in the Antipodes are almost life as normal, which is just mind-blowing, really, when, when you look at what's happening in the UK and the US. So, yeah, kudos to you, you guys and your government. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the frustration in our voice. Yeah, I think we're both going a little bit cabin fevery. But we are here to distract you with roller derby talk, even though there's no roller derby. There's always roller derby rules. Always exactly. their rules, exactly. governing bodies. Re- released just as recently as November last year, yeah, the WFTDA released this new training curriculum to replace the old uh, minimum skills requirements. So, Spanky, what was the rationale then behind the, the change in, in the minimum skills requirements? From what I can understand, the concern was that uh, a lot of these minimum skills were sort of arbitrary, that they didn't necessarily ac- accurately predict who would excel at roller derby, and they excluded a lot of people from, from playing. So, I mean, the notorious one, of course, is 27 and 5. You know, you don't do these things in, in roller derby. You simply do not need to do that. You don't need to, you don't, you know, you don't need to stand still for 30 seconds on one skate. So it was uh, a little bit of a gatekeeping issue. Um, and the rules test as well, you know, that a paper rules test does not translate into accurate gameplay knowledge and use of the rules. So um, my understanding is that they wanted to make make the minimum skills a little more um, productive, a little more in line with what is actually necessary to keep derby skaters safe. Does that does that sound right to you? 
Yeah, so so what, that the minimum skills requirements were maybe too prescriptive, a bit too, as you say, arbitrary. Here are a bunch of skills and we'll tick them off a list. And once you've ticked all those boxes, then you're good to skate, you're good to go. But if you can't tick off one of those things, it doesn't matter how good a skater you are or how well you know the game. If you haven't ticked off everything on the list, no, you're not allowed to skate. Right. And I I mean, I, I can imagine that having that list was really, really important when there were a lot of leagues starting up with out of nothing, like out of literally thin air where they were coaching. That's how SRD started. I mean, out of, out of nothing, no one had ever skated before. That's just not how Derby is anymore. I mean, most leagues, there is someone there who has skated before and who knows the game and who can sort of help be responsible for coaching and training. And I, I'm sort of of the opinion that you probably shouldn't be in a league without someone who can look at you and know whether or not you're safe. Whereas before we were all kind of like, but, you know, putting our thumbs up and being like, are you safe? Am I safe? I think we're all safe. Let's all go out there and skate together. But um, now at this point, starting a league, being in a league, there, there should be someone leadership in your league who has the experience with gameplay to be able to judge safety without this prescriptive list of skills. You know, they should have been able to see someone skating, see someone playing and, and know. I don't know. Does that sound does that sound gatekeeper to say, no, you have to have someone in your area who who can play derby? Yeah, and that, will, that will vary between leagues, surely, because certain certain leagues that are larger or more established, or you know, your your tier one leagues in in the the British Champs, for example. I'm, I'm just using UK as an example. There's there's leagues here that are very high performance, leagues, incredibly competitive, incredibly skilled, and they have you know they can afford to like pay guest coaches to come and coach them and invest a lot of time and money into coaching and such like. And they maybe have a better baseline for judging who is a competent and safe skater, and they will. Ha- but they will have a different baseline for what is a safe and competent, skilled skater to say a, a smaller uh, league that's only ha- been established like a year or two. Because leagues are still popping up. Oh well, not at the moment, obviously, but leagues are still popping up, and they will have less a lower baseline, a lower touchstone for what is safe and what is competent. And those two will yeah. be lack. Well, I think that's definitely it, it's definitely true that there are going to be different skill levels between leagues. But maybe um, you know the the fact that derby is a much more well known sport at this point. So many more people know about Derby, know what what it is, how to play it. That you know, I think maybe lifted a can assume and, and wants us all to move to the to the model in which we assume this is a sport. People generally understand the rules of the sport and how to play the sport safely. And therefore, if you are going to have a league in which you want to compete in this sport, you need to be responsible for knowing the leagues and taking care of your members. Which is how football leagues work. That's how baseball leagues work. That's how every other sport works. The league is responsible for the safety of its members. Um, the, the local league. Um, so I think that, I think that to, to me, honestly, this, this seems like Woofted's way of moving Derby towards a, a bigger sort of part of the sporting world, not just a little niche sport where you can kind of, you know, invent it as you go. It's been invented, it's out there, and, and now we all need to take care of each other and keep it growing. So for those for those of our listeners who haven't read the new rules in detail, and those of us who are presenting podcasts who haven't read the new rules in detail, could you summarize the kind of key changes? Yeah, it's it's very if if you even glance at the this is roller derby curriculum, mm-hmm. you're you're gonna scroll through and be like, I don't see any rules. I don't see any curriculum. Like what what is this? It's a much more of just a framework of like, hey, this is how you should coach. This is how skaters should progress. And this is how you should structure structure play and training and practice within your league to ensure that your players are safe. 
that that's what it is. It's more of a curriculum. It's very fluffy. It's very, I mean, I'm, I'm an educator. You're an educator. We we're used to these kinds of things or there are probably lots of people who are like, what the hell is this? I want a list. Give me a checkbox. But this is familiar to me as an educator, because this is how you talk about teaching people, training people, um, working people up through, you know, various levels of experience and skill. There is still a list of things that skaters must be able to do before they go out and scrimmage. But that list is just no longer in their This is Roller Derby curriculum. It's in the Wufdido Risk Management Guidelines document. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. And it's a much simpler and sort of more general list of, of skills that, that skaters need to have. But I mean, this is, the, this is exactly what men's skills tested. Skate forwards and backwards, skate in proximity comfortably next to other skaters, prepared for intentional, unintentional contact, be able to stop and control speed, be able to avoid obstacles, be able to fall small, be able to recover or fall without grabbing or flailing, and have a fundamental knowledge of the rules. I mean, that that's kind of it. That's what men's skills really was trying to get at, right? It was trying to make sure that everybody could do all that stuff and not injure someone before they scrimmaged or, or played in a game. And, and Wiftida is still absolutely saying this is what people need to do. They've just taken away that long prescriptive list. So, so now what it is is a much shorter list of like, hey, make sure your skaters can do this stuff and a big extensive curriculum about like, hey, we know you guys are not experienced teachers and coaches, but this is maybe probably how you should be looking at helping your skaters progress. And also, even more importantly to my mind, this is how you maybe should structure play when you're trying to um, have skaters interacting who are of different skill levels. To me, one of the bad things about men's skills was that it was the very black or white. It was like, you know, once someone had met their men's skills, okay, we're just going to throw them in. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah maybe you worried a little first game. Um, I mean, as a coach, I, I had, you know, I have had several instances where someone was ready. They were technically ready. They passed their men's skills. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the right first game for you. And it's scary, but everybody, you kind of, you do your men's skills and wash, wash your hands of them. And, and that's the attitude everybody had. Well, if they pass their men's skills, they should be able to take a hit from, you know, so-and-so up on the 18. Like there really was the, the responsibility was taken off of other skaters. It was taken off of the league a little bit. And you just, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's any more safe because it, it really takes, takes the responsibility for safety off, off of everyone. And it, that's where it should be. The responsibility for safety should be on all of us all the time, not just before men's skills. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And while I'm a little bit on the fence about this, I am, I am concerned about that, that kind of uh, woolly definition of what, what is a competent skater. And it's, it, it's the same as when uh, leagues or organizers are, organizing say rookie games and their definition of rookie might be oh well you've played naught to three games so far and you might have people who've been skating all their lives and they don't they've never played a roller derby game before but they're a really competent skater and their skill level will be completely different to to say someone who's just passed me in skills and only learned how to skate earlier that year um, and I've certainly uh, in, in the start of my derby career was passing men's skills and thought, right, I'm going to be in the same boat as all these other skaters at this rookie game. But there were people there who had technically just passed them in skills, but they were running rings around me. And well, yeah. you know, whether they intended to be or not, were quite dangerous on track because I, as a new skater and a new derby player, wasn't prepared to be 
hit that fast or you know uh couldn't hold my balance in the same way as, as someone who'd been skating all their lives um and yeah you get some people who are yeah physically very well conditioned up against people who maybe haven't played sport for 10 years or since they were at school or whatever um and it finding that that balance between the two using just a prescriptive list is a tricky thing but at the same time that prescriptive list does give a baseline for and the, the clues in the name the minimum skills requirements um and i think they can be useful for kind of like ensuring that new people to the sport have a baseline of physical ability not just skating skills and this is the thing that i, I often bring up is that roller derby is rare it, when you compare it to things like football and baseball and whatever you have to learn how to skate before you can learn to play derby. So there is this extra level of skill learning. And I wonder if we should be comparing to something like ice hockey rather than any other sport, um, because there is a skate, there is a skill there that's not natural running, ambulating, throwing, catching. It is, it's a really tricky thing. Exactly. to Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the WIF did it definitely isn't saying, Hey, you can't use men's skills anymore. Every league could, they can do whatever they want within their league. I, I, I have actually a strong suspicion that most many leagues will probably keep men's skills or at least some part of men's skills. I mean, I would, I think we've already talked a little bit about it on our training committee and we absolutely are going to keep some kind of checklist. Um, not, not just not to sort of say, Oh, you can do this or you can't, but to help the coaches keep on track with, okay, what does this skater still need to learn? What is the skater working on? So it's not like you, you can't choose to use men's skills within your league, but it is putting a lot more of the responsibility on the league to say, Hey, you guys need to actually think about this. You can't just like check off our checklist and, you know, pencil with this and be done. And one of the things that they're, they're asking leagues to do is to say, okay, you really need to consider the level of your player, not just like where they are, black or white, yes or no, but where are they on this continuum? And so the closest thing they get to sort of a, a checklist is, is a, a description of the sort of four different levels of derby proficiency. There are folks who are in the introduction stage, then there's the exploration stage, then there's the development stage, and then the proficiency stage. And, and really from the way they describe it, Someone who has passed men's skills completely and is ready to skate on a charter team is proficient. They can take fast, hard hits. They know the rules and they can adjust to the game. I mean, that's a proficient skater. The other levels are things that you, you kind of need to address in a skater's development. And those skaters should still have opportunities to skate and to be part of practice and to be engaged in the team. And that's that's kind of what the I would say the beginner curriculum really, really focus, focuses on that is how you actually incorporate different skills and can modify derby for those people who are sort of pre-men's skills. Yeah, I, I think uh, one of my issues maybe with the new kind of more, I don't want to use this term nebulous because I, I, it's not nebulous. It, maybe it's, it's just more flexible is, is that it, it operates on, on a foundation of trust. And uh, whilst I would like to say, yes, let's trust everyone in the derby community, you you have your own understanding of what proficient is and it, it, there is a very phenomenological <laughs> maybe lens to look at these these terms when you're talking about exploring stage or proficiency stage well, what does that mean to me it might mean something to dif different to someone who is in a division one league or say compared to say a tier four league over here um because the skills will vary wildly and and i do think there is this potential danger of coaches or leagues interpreting those consciously or subconsciously to suit their needs so say you've got a um, you spoke about gatekeeping before uh, say you've got a, a tier one league and they don't really want to introduce 
any in one but the cream of the crop into the into the rotation so uh, kind of eligible skaters for their tier one league they may be more strict with what is competent to ensure that people they would like on their on their lineup are, are filtered through and people that they don't want on that that lineup whether it is for competence or whether it's personality differences are are blocked from entry and they can cite this this new rule set that they've kind of developed in-house rather than the minimum skills which is a very clear-cut set of skills that they have to take off on the flip side if you have smaller leagues who are have have less choice for who can be on that lineup well a coach is going to look at that and go well we want a full lineup when we play the game but we haven't got enough skaters currently signed off well maybe we can be a bit more flexible with the rules and and pass these people so that we can get them skating so that we have a full roster so that we're not short you know so we're not disadvantaged from the get-go and they may be signing off people who potentially aren't ready but Technically, the curriculum doesn't prevent them from doing that because they can't point at the thing and say, well, you haven't technically passed 27 in five. So we don't have confidence in your physical capability because 27 in five, I know there's arguments for and against. Now, I hate it, but I can recognise that it's a good test of basic endurance and athleticism. Even if I'm never going to skate constantly for five minutes at a high speed, I can understand that it's a good test of stamina and, and f- physicality. And yeah, it doesn't give you those those hardline rules where you can say yes or no. These people are definitely at this baseline competence. And I, I, I think before we started recording, I gave you uh, this analogy of um, the driver's driving test. And I think you've been thinking about the same analogy. A driving test is a very clear set of skills that you have to pass. And there's, you know, the examiner will say yes or no to those things. And once you've passed those things, even if you don't pass you might fail on a really stupid thing that you'll never use, like reversing around a corner. Yeah, reversing around a corner. I barely ever do that. And even if I do, I've got driving parking sensors now. But <laughs> I think I think I failed on that on my first attempt. But yeah, some of them seem ridiculous, but they are a minimum set of skills that make you a safer driver when you first set out on the road on your own. That's not to say that once you pass your driving test that you're a brilliant driver. And the same with the minimum skills requirements. Once you pass these minimum skills, no one's saying you're a brilliant skater now. They're saying you have passed the baseline competence for being a skater on track that you still need to develop. And everyone says it's once you've passed your test that you really learn how to drive. And I think it's the same for minimum skills. I'm really, I don't want to tell you how easy it is to get a driver's license in the US. No, I don't want to know. And you get it in you're still You guys, should I tell her how easy it is? Like 14 year olds can drive in some state. Um, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I think though, the issue is if you're a league that doesn't give a crap about safety and you're bending the rules, you're going to break the rules either way. Like the men's skills, men's skills are not the thing that's going to make your league safe. People are bending the men's skills rules. Um, if, if those leagues don't care about safety and don't care about the rules, the leagues that are getting hurt are the ones who are following the rules and the skaters who now can't skate because their leagues do care about safety. Those leagues that care about safety, they don't need prescriptive rules. They they already are going to be attentive to their skaters' needs and make sure the skaters that are right, appropriate for their level are going to be skating at that level. So so I guess, I, I don't know. The rules are there for people who will follow them. If you're a rule breaker, who cares what the rules are? So I, I do think I was very sort of shocked and, and horrified when I heard about no more men's skills because, and a little bit too, because, you know, if you've been skating for a long time and you pass the men's skills, you're kind of like, well, I figured it out. Come on, you guys can figure it out. 
Um, which is super gatekeepery and hazing basically. But I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. Like, Hey, no, come on. It made me work harder. I, I did what I was supposed to do when I got there eventually and everybody else can do it too. But I also had great friends who were amazing skaters who, you know, had, they couldn't be on the charter team because of these stupid rules. Um, and that's not how derby should be. Like people shouldn't go home from a derby session feeling like shit because they can't skate with their teammates because they couldn't pass a stupid test. Same more with written tests. I mean, a written multiple choice test to, to learn the rules is, is ableist. So, I mean, I definitely, I still get the concerns about safety, but to me, it comes back to, okay, if you're worried about safety, do something about safety, help make your league safer, be on the training committee, be a coach, look out for your fellow skaters, speak up. Like we all have to be worried about safety. We can't just expect the, the rules or some list to make us safe. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, which sort of makes the debate redundant because I think we are on the same page in a lot of ways. So if, if rule breakers are going to be rule breakers, then what's the potential solution here? It, it, I, to me, min skills or no min skills, you know, the, the old model or the new model, that's not the, the, the make or break of whether people are going to be safe. Extending the driving test analogy further, it's almost like we need external, independent, you know, min skills examiners, like a, you know, a governed body driving test examiners who will come in and test people and say, yes, you're safe to skate or no, you're not safe to skate because they don't have a vested interest as to whether your league has enough skaters to put forward a roster for a game or they're not involved in the politics of any individual team. The problem with that, you know, that's the ideal solution. The problem with that being that, of course, it's really unrealistic with a sport that is, you know, it's a growing sport, but it's still really small and niche and leagues are far away from each other. And who's going to be an independent examiner in the world of roller derby? Who is impartial? (laughs) Really, in, in roller derby, no one is impartial. Right. And we've talked about, we've talked about that a bunch in almost every episode. I feel like we talk about, yeah, but we all want to skate so bad. Like that's why we all do all this stupid stuff and get injured. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be part of it. But if I would urge everybody who's listening, who's like, ah, what the hell is going on? Certainly if you are a coach or on the training committee or even on just on your, your committee or BOD, read through the whole thing in full. So you kind of know what they're talking about because it, it does give a good framework for like, Hey, this is how you guys should be thinking about your skaters. Like, are they freshies and just need to be doing land derby? Like, are they in between? It's, it's really something I think that, you know, if we all could, and then maybe that's what the point is of making this a national or, you know, a a wolf did a change so that we all start at least thinking this way. And then it's still up to the leagues. It's still up to local leagues when they make their contracts, how they actually want to do it. But at least we'll all be sort of thinking in a different way. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard that dissolving of responsibility argument from both sides where, you know, in, on, on the one hand, it, you're, you're encouraging leagues to think about these, these safety issues and take responsibility as a league for the safety of their skaters and for safety of the derby community, wider oh. derby community. Um, so in, on that hand, it's, it's a pro. It's, it's a positive thing to encourage uh, leagues to not just go, well, you know, we've ticked all the boxes. So from WFTDA's point of view, we're safe. It's fine. Um, and to think wider about safety implications. But on the other hand, leagues might say, see that as a, but what if something goes wrong? RWFTDA or other leagues going to say, well, we judged this wrong and we were irresponsible in passing these skaters when, to the best of our knowledge and ability, we did things safely. We thought about these things and we planned things. If there's an accident, if someone gets injured at a game, are there going to be finger pointings from other leagues saying, well, you weren't safe and you, you know, didn't construct a... Because at the end of the day, we can't stop 
every injury from happening they were accidents that's why they're called accidents and I I just I fear that it might open up some leagues to accusations of fielding unsafe skaters yeah that's interesting and I I have seen some online chatter kind of around that and and I think it it's not as applicable to us because or our league we don't use the whoop to the insurance policy but U.S. you know chartered U.S. teams and whoop to the chartered teams do and that's um, that seems to be kind of a big deal. And I, I confess I haven't I haven't been involved in any of that stuff or litigation. And it, that that is an interesting point. I would be interested to hear from any listeners who have thoughts about that. Um, but I I mean, I do I, I, I can't imagine there's a situation in which someone could could sort of retroactively look back at a skater and prove, oh, it was you know, it was a misjudgment of the skater's skill level um it it is really hard to point the finger of blame or or prove either way who was the you know if there was a person who caused the accident and maybe that's something for our american listeners to to answer because you're a more litigious country than if anyone's getting sued it's happening don't remind me (laughs) but yeah even if it's not uh, you know even if it doesn't become a legal thing it, it could lead to some really bad blood between leagues and i know even in the days of minimum skills requirements even pre-covid days there was bad blood between leagues about oh they're a particularly dangerous league or they're a really hitty league or they field skaters who aren't really safe you know i i, I hear this kind of locker room talk all the time well not not at the moment oh god <laughs> <laughs> You only wish. I would put money on the fact that this would open up more of that sort of talk, of that sort of, well, they're playing hard and fast with the new minimum skills requirements and they've taken that as an opportunity to just field whoever they like or, you know, they're not being responsible. They caused accident. They caused my friend to get her leg broken or, you know, I just, I really fear that whilst I definitely, like you say, I can see the pros, the potential pros of making leagues consider safety for themselves and to think for themselves and examine what their practice is and redesign coaching to suit their individual skater skill levels I do worry that it'll open up a lot of you know opportunities for mudslinging yeah I can I could see that for sure actually I forgot what it was like to be playing derby and annoyed oh no I'm guilty as well when we've had a bad game or something's gone wrong I'm very quick to go well that's because that person is this or you know and I'm not proud of it by any stretch but it's a natural inclination and I've I think I've blogged before about that external locus of evaluation where people will look outward of themselves to point a finger of blame because it absorbs you of a responsibility for anything that you might have done wrong you know if you can blame someone else for something that's happened then it's easier to accept yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, that that goes along with another another analogy I, I was thinking about when I first saw the, this new curriculum. And it, it has to do with medicine and with with teaching when you're telling someone something they don't want to hear. So, um, you know, in <laughs> telling telling a new skater they're not ready to skate is so much easier when you can say, oh, I'm sorry, I have pesterman skills yeah. um, because you know, there are lots of skaters. I was, I wanted to skate before I was ready. I've coached a lot of skaters who want to skate before they're ready. And it's, it's so much easier when you can say, okay, we don't have to deal with that yet because you have any pastoral skills. Um, same kind of thing happens in medicine, um, particularly with, so opioid prescriptions, the opioid epidemic in the U S um, patients want their pain treated. They know opiates work. They come and ask for opiates. Um, and, 
a lot of times docs know it's the wrong thing or it's not the right thing, but it's hard. It's very hard to say no. And I actually was speaking with a provider in a state where they had put in some pretty strict rules about prescribing and required certain, certain things to be met um, by the patient and the physician too, before opiates could be prescribed. And this provider was telling me, you know, as soon as those rules went into effect, we had a lot less trouble. It just made it so much easier for the provider to say, I'm sorry, I can't. You just don't meet the requirements. I can't. And then it takes so much pressure because we are human and we, we cave under pressure. I mean, it's hard. So that is one thing that it's somebody out there is going to have to say no. And so in my opinion, and my hopes for our league is that we as a league sit down together and decide, okay, this is when we're going to say no and, and essentially create our own men's skills list. Um, and the coaches will all use that list and we, we can still, we can still have that to fall back on. It just won't come from, you know, way up on high, the international governing body. Um, but that's, that's something yeah, that people need to think about in advance and not get stuck yeah. trying to explain. Yeah, absolutely. When you don't have that to fall back on or saying, well, this is the reason you, you're absolving is again, resolving yourself with responsibility because it's, you know, it's external source and that's, you know, I can't flex on that because I'm being told that's what I have to do. Um, and it's the, same, it's the same between uh, fielding someone to skate in a rookie game and fielding to skate for a higher uh, ability game is for the rookie game. You, you could say yes or no. You know, have you passed your min skills? Yes, you can skate. Haven't you? Then you can't. For a higher ability game, you then have to defend your decision. Like, well, you've passed min skills and you've played rookie games and now I'm having to tell you no based on my own judgment I imagine I, I'm not a coach so I don't know what that's like but I imagine that's much harder to do because you're having to tell people well you're not good enough you know you're good enough to skate but you're not good enough to skate in this game it sucks mm-hmm. it's really really hard and it completely sucks and it's especially if you're I mean as we most of us do like our teammates and want everybody to skate and want to skate with all these people and that really you don't want you don't want to hurt people's feelings or make them sad and um, it really sucks. And that's the, the, that's sort of the thing about, yeah, you have an outside objective. If you can have an outside objective, you know, whatever person driving instructor list of rules where it, it makes very, very clear. This is not me not liking your skating or not believing in you. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the, the objective line in the sand that I need you to cross so that you could be safe so that we can keep skating with you forever. Um, this is like a grown up question. Like Woofted is like basically saying, all right, y'all are grown ups. Go act like grown ups and figure this out for yourselves. We're a grown up sport now. Like pull up your big girl pants because we, we gotta, we gotta do this eventually. Um, I think that's, that's kind of the place I'm at right now. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> So I, I guess what, what you're saying and what WFTDA is saying and what I agree with as well is that they're, they're asking us like, okay, well, you have to take responsibility for your safety and everyone needs to take responsibility for safety. You can't keep absolving responsibility onto WFTDA in the list. It's not the minimum skills that make the skaters safe. It is you, the coaches, individual skaters your teammates, it's the whole league that makes them safe. And coaches and teammates have a responsibility for your safety as much as you do. I I was reading this, and we'll link it in the show notes, I was reading this really nice qualitative study about roller derby, which is a rare thing, you know, a published peer-reviewed article about roller derby. Um, and participants who have interviewed in focus groups uh, most commonly cited pushing themselves too hard is a reason that they got injured. 
which I thought was really interesting. Didn't didn't say anything about, you know, tripping up or not being physically fit enough or uh, not knowing the rules or anything like that, but pushing themselves too hard. And I, I think that's that's a place where coaches and teammates all, also need to take responsibility for telling skaters no if they if they can see that skaters are outside of their ability they're trying to do something because there are positive risks that skaters can take and we take positive risks to grow in any aspect of life but if, if coaches teammates you can see that you're pushing yourself beyond a point that's safe um then we have to learn to be able to say no to each other otherwise we're just pushing each other into a and e the emergency room for our americans <laughs> thank you <laughs> Yeah. And I think that they did, they said that one of the problems was that, you know, new skaters aren't really aware of their own skill level, but also experienced skaters don't consider the new skaters skill levels, which to me is evidence of the the whole like black, white men's skills thing. Like the minute, and I, re, I vividly remember going out in my first scrimmage and it was like, I was like, yes, I'm ready to play. But I was also terrified because one of the, one of the vets came up and was like, all right, well, if you're out here, you're out here. Like, I'm not going to take it easy on you. It was like, she was going to hit me as hard as she could. And this woman could hit. And I was like, what have I done? And I, and I survived. And I think a lot of us feel like, yeah, we did survive. And that's a cool feeling. And that's a very derby way to feel. But I don't know. I mean, there how many people didn't survive? And maybe we can save some by by giving them a little bit more of like a, you know, what are those pools called? The zero entry pool. So they can, you know, they don't have to just jump into the deep end. They can. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're called, but I know the kind of pool you mean that starts off super shallow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've talked about that with, um, we've mentioned, we, well, she was on uh, the previous episode, Indy Hannah Jones, we've talked about before how difficult, even if you're aware of newly passed skater skill level, how difficult it is to attenuate your skating whilst in scrimmage. Because it, in scrimmage, it's a very fast paced thing. And you're kind of in the mode of, right, I've got to get this person out of the way or block this person. And it can get very fast and furious. And if we mix up skill levels too much, it, it's not even a case of they consciously don't know who they're skating about or they're not thinking about their skill level. It's instinct takes over and you see someone and you just move and you hit them really hard and then you go, oh, I'm so sorry. And that shouldn't happen. If, if we are constructing training and scrimmage and passing people ready for scrimmage in a, in a structured way that suits our individual leagues' needs, then that shouldn't happen. But then for smaller leagues, it is really difficult because you can't do scrimmage with three people. <laughs> it is. It is super difficult. I know. And I've been I've been very Pollyanna, like this is the right thing to do. But now I'm looking at my notes and like all of these notes I have scribbled about how like I put a star next to all the things that I'm like, no way we can do this at training. And there's like 20 stars on my paper. Like, yeah. Um, we don't have a big league and I, I get really annoyed when I can't jam as hard as I want to, because there's a freshie on the track and it takes away from my practice time. Like I, um, it, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to figure out. One of the most interesting parts of this whole curriculum is they have a whole section on like recommendations about mixed level play, which, which to me is kind of, that was the most pertinent thing. Because like I said, with our small league, how are we gonna, I mean, if we're really going to get people playing early before there's totally men's skills passed, this is what we're going to have to do because we're going to be mixed level every single training. But they really talk about considering complexity, force, and speed of gameplay is like the three things that you kind of need to evaluate. And for the things they suggest are that you somehow change the game. So um, play the game at the level of your lowest skilled skater or change, uh, adjust the pack speed so that you're always adjust. You're always, the pack is always around the back. Pack is at the back, um, have different timeout rules. 
and then changing the way that you focus. So taking more time for rules and things like that, and then limiting contact. So that's a, that's a big feature of the way that they recommend breaking down the different skill levels. For people who are at the introductory level, playing derby on shoe derby, land derby. Mm -hmm. For people who are exploring now, they could do something called that Wifted calls minimal contact derby, which is where jammers don't use pressure. There's no face-to-face blocking or there's positional blocking only. This is where I like min skills. I like black and white because when I'm playing, I want to play 100%. I think a lot of people feel that way. I think that's why we play derby because we're 100% kind of people. And so asking people to do this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me. I'm going to lie and I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) And I'm a coach. Um, um, But then then as people get up into the development level, you just sort of change the blocking and there's more gentle contact. And then there's maybe like you can stop and then push. Um, You can be face-to-face after you make additional contact, that kind of sort of more graduated contact. And then once people reach the sort of proficiency level, then it's, you know, full contact. I don't know. Maybe it's just a lot of like fluffy advice that sounds great on paper and it's just really going to not be helpful when we're actually skating. But for me, and, and probably just because I've been coaching and on the training committee and had to sort of create my own strategies out of not not very much, it's, it's kind of nice to have these, these suggestions and this advice. And we're still going to use a men's skills list of some kind. Um, and hopefully we'll get through it as a league. Oh, yeah. I still think there are certain men's skills that without being able to pass, you, you can't skate derby. Like if you can't skate backwards, you can't play derby. But I, I like the idea of uh, this kind of tiered approach to gameplay and these exploration or development games and that's what JRDA do don't they under the age of 18 you're not doing hitting and I think that's something we can and we have done that that training once haven't we where we've we've played some scrimmage with no hits and it makes the the veteran skaters have to work really hard on positional blocking on footwork and things and I think that's that's not necessarily a bad thing to force the more experienced skaters to slow things down and think about where their feet are and what what they're doing with their feet and not rely on those big hits so much and I think it can develop skills in a different way whilst still being inclusive of the newer skaters yeah enabling small leagues to still scrim together whilst being safe so yeah so maybe there is there is opportunity for flexibility for development of all skaters even in these smaller leagues like our own whilst uh, keeping everyone safe and in making it enjoyable still playing roller derby but a toned down version that's not the big dramatic hits that we we expect i mean if we ever play derby again oh it may just on. it oh, may no. just once we're never happen it's been too long it way too long. long time it has been a long time but our day will come spanky our day time. will come our day will come we'll come back bigger and better than ever before everyone will be really once we we're out of lockdown and things and we can go back and do all these things everyone who will be really eager to join clubs and we'll have a huge influx of new skaters just you wait (laughs) and i i personally am going to be so starved for human contact that i will just like derby is going to be perfect i'm just going to want to be in like a giant squished up pack all the time i can't wait Uh, well that's kind of all i had to say about the new skills so like i say i'm a little bit on the fence and i can see the pros and cons of old versus new but we're in new now it's not my decision to make but uh, yeah (laughs) I just hope that all leagues across the country across the globe will take this as an opportunity to really take responsibility for how they develop skaters and develop safety and put yeah put an emphasis on safety and competency rather than just going right here's the tick boxes we need to tick 
So we're aware that this is a really recent announcement, although, you know, November feels like it's about five years ago by now. Um, <laughs> but it is an ongoing debate. And I know that the uh, social media coverage and comments sections and things have been abuzz with a very varied and quite strong views on this. Um, but we'd love to hear what your opinions are on this. Do you think it's a good move? Do you think it's a terrible decision? Why do you think those things? Um, please send us messages or comments or things. Spanky, what are our contact details? Because hilariously, we forget this every I time. know them because I wrote them down. <laughs> um, we're on Facebook and Twitter at MindBodyRoll. Our website is mindbodyroll.wordpress.com. And you can always email us at mind.body.rollerderby at gmail.com. Don't freak out if we don't reply right away. We're kind of really in a different time time dimension right now. It's called has no COVID name. time. <laughs> but we love to hear from you. Um, we hope you are all keeping safe and trying to be outside and get exercise, even if it's not the best exercise in the world, which is roller derby, in our opinion. I've been Spanky. I've been Asterisk. And you've been listening to Mind, Body, and Roll. Body and Roll is written, produced, and hosted by Amy Toubay and Astrid Coxon, with music written and performed by the Interesting Times Gang. Find our episode notes and more at mindbodyroll.wordpress.com. Mind, body, roll.